postseason. They qualified on the last day of the MLS regular season, and now it's a whole new beginning for the team. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Miami Total Football Radio, or as I like to say in Spanish, of course, Miami Total Football Radio. I'm your host, Franco Penizo, and with me, as always, is David Beckham's long-lost cousin, Steve Brenner. Steve, how was your weekend? How did you survive? Tropical storm Eta. It was a it was a crazy, crazy storm uh, on Sunday over the weekend, and especially at the game. But how how did you make out? Yeah, it was it was wet and wild for sure. We we're just sitting back waiting for it to happen. In in full disclosure, as I'm sure you may allude to later, I didn't actually get to the game because the weather was pretty gnarly here, and I just didn't fancy driving. So kudos for you to for actually breathing <laughs> and putting your body on the line for, for the Inter cause. Whereas I unfortunately had to stay at home and watch it on. On, on TV, but it was uh, no less dramatic. It's very Rodolfo Pizarro of you. How dare you decide not to uh, suit up and, and get your butt to enter Miami CF Stadium. We're just kidding, of course. We're going to talk about Rodolfo Pizarro's international call-up a little bit later on in the pod, but I wasn't going to actually say anything about you not being there, so you just you just kind of gave yourself up. No, man, but, I'll be honest. I've but... got nothing. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> it was a mitigating circumstance. It was a massive, massive storm. Um, if there wasn't a storm, I would have been there, but, you know, it, it's... Um, we all make our own choices. You for made sure. one choice. I made another choice. Not There's no sure. wrong choice in this life. For sure. No, 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 not at all. And listen, man, on the, on the drive up to the stadium, I definitely questioned what the heck I was doing. Anybody who made that drive, anyone who's listening to this, to the pod and, and made that drive either north or south. I, I mean, I don't know how it was coming, coming from north to south, but I was going from south to north up I-95. And there's definitely points where I was questioning my decision because you could not see anything for long periods of that drive but anyway enough of that um before we jump into every into this week's pod just wanted to remind everyone to give us a follow on all our social media accounts at miami total football on youtube and facebook at mia total football on twitter and at miami underscore total underscore football on instagram and you'll want to do that especially this week if you haven't already because we are doing a free giveaway we're giving away uh, what I'm calling a hashtag pink playoff top. It's the Inter Miami training top. We're giving away that that top for free to one of the lucky followers on Instagram. You just have to follow us on Instagram, like the post. It's the most recent post we have on there. And the rules for the, the contest are there. We'll announce the winner next week and try to ship it to whoever is the lucky winner before next Friday's game against Nashville SC. So jump on that. Nice top. It's probably Inter Miami's best top that they have. And we're doing this as a thank you for you guys for following us on all our social media accounts, listening to us on the pod. But make sure you you follow us on Instagram and, and, and click on that picture. But let's get to it, because Steve, because we have a lot to talk about. Well, Steve, Mission Monsoon Miami Miracle is complete. We said in those words, Miami needed a miracle on the final match day of the MLS regular season, and they got it done. They took care of business at home against FC Cincinnati in the middle of a tropical storm, winning 2-1 to one at home in that game, and then they got the outside help that they needed to finish above the playoff line in the Eastern Conference. Atlanta United lost to the Columbus crew, and the Chicago Fire lost to New York City FC in a high-scoring affair. So that was enough for Inter-Miami. Steve, you watched the game. You saw the celebrations. What did you make of the whole thing, including the fact that, again, this has to be repeated because this is such a big part of the story and such a, a wild part of the story. This game was played in a tropical storm with 
you know 20 30 40 mile per hour winds i don't know exactly i wasn't you know i wasn't out there checking the the the, the wind but um it was definitely high up there yeah no no i mean you know there was obviously big interest back in the uk so i'd written my preview for the for the sun newspaper and and, and did another one you know they're going to need a miracle you know there's no way they're going to do it it's you know it's virtually impossible that the results are going to go your their way that but yeah as Within the sort of 20, 25 minutes, it, it seemed like it was going to be fine. The results were going their way. They were winning and everything. It just seemed a bit too sort of serene by half time. It's like, oh, they're going to do this easily. What was I even worried about? Writing the stories if they were going to qualify. And then, of course, then, you know, Cincinnati pulled one back, didn't they? And then, and then for the last sort of 20 minutes, fair play was it was touch and go, wasn't it? Because obviously, you know, one, one goal and that would have been it. A draw and it wouldn't have been good enough. So, I was de- it was definitely a few hairy moments at, at the end of it, but I think they and, and then you add in the conditions. We we spoke to Diego Alonso after the match, and and I think um, you know he said how difficult it was, some of the worst conditions he's ever seen. And uh, I think uh, Gonzalez Perez said that it was okay in the first half, but then in the second half when the wind was against them, it was impossible. It was absolutely impossible for them to do it. You were kicking the ball; it was going nowhere. So. I think they deserve credit for gutting it out in, in extraordinary, atrocious conditions and, and getting the job done. But of course, they also didn't need a little bit of luck and just, you know, we've been bemoaning the whole time, the whole season. They just haven't really had the rub of the green and everything. It just clicks into place. So I just think I was, you know, they, I think ultimately they, they probably just about deserve to sneak in. Because make no mistake, we've said that before, that if they wouldn't have qualified with the Gods for Powers, it would have been a big disaster, I think, a big failure on, on uh, many levels and there would have been serious questions asked but I think now they've they've made that step I think anything from here on in is a is a bonus because you know they I think this was the minimum requirement and they've done that so fair play I fancied Mikey Ambrose's quote after the game when he said that was horrible simply put just said that was horrible and he said he's played in a lot of poor weather or games with poor weather and that that was the most horrible one he's ever been a part of because as Mikey Ambrose pointed out, the wind was blowing at times in all directions. Well, yes, it was blowing south, southwest, I guess. Yeah, southwest. Uh, you know, whenever it was steady, it was blowing southwest. But for large periods, it wasn't blowing in just one direction. It was swirling and blowing around in all different directions uh, at different times. So definitely made for a tough, tough asking, especially when you had sheets of rain pouring onto the field. And, but look, Inter Miami got it done. They did it off of a pair of first half goals from Mikey Ambrose and Leandro Gonzalez Pires. Both of them scored four or five minutes apart in the first half, and that set the tone for Inter Miami in this one. Like you said, though, they did have to suffer through the through the final 20, 25 minutes of the game. True to Inter Miami form in this expansion season, nothing comes easy. They had to really grind it out, and they even lose a man. They they go down to ten men with Andres Reyes getting a second yellow and a red card, getting sent off in the 88th minute. So they had to really clamp things down defensively to try to hold on for the win. Because, as you mentioned, a goal would have doomed them. Everything that would have fallen their way on the outside would have gone for naught if if they had given up a goal. Which man, that one free kick at the end that that John McCarthy came out and collected right before the, the, the FC Cincinnati attacker could get to it. Ooh, that, that one made probably plenty of hearts sink in the stadium. I definitely was like, ooh, I had my, my eyes definitely grew inside the press box because uh, it, was, it, it was close. It was close. And look, I'll tell you this, since you weren't there and you've already said that you weren't there, the press box was 
moving while we were in in it during the game and after the game while we were writing um the press box was moving because of the wind you could feel it i don't know if rocking is the right term but it was definitely yeah maybe rocking is the right term it was definitely rocking stop a little it, bit stop it, yeah. like, you're, making, you're making me wish i was actually there it <laughs> oh, sounds look, amazing it, it was i got first I thought, honestly during the game i thought it was because the fans were stomping their feet in front of us but it wasn't it was just the wind was just kind of pushing the the press box around a little bit and i mean in, you know the the colleagues also also noted that Kobe Price noted that, so um, yeah, there's plenty of stories. We we'll, we'll, we have plenty of stories to share with you about that um, once we all get back together, which won't be I guess until until next year, unless Inter Miami makes MLS Cup because Inter Miami will not have another another home game this year. They finished in tenth place in the Eastern Conference. They're the lowest seed, so they just made it above the the playoff line. No, no home games for them in this postseason, even if they make it to MLS Cup. So we won't be back at Inter-Miami CF Stadium for a game until 2021. Steve, what were your biggest takeaways from this one? We've talked about the game, how it kind of unfolded. You know, Inter-Miami goes up 2-0, then in the second half, they kind of lose their stranglehold on the game. Joe Jow scores a golazo, a golazo. If Mikey Ambrose scored a golazo for Inter-Miami in the first half, Joe Jow scored just as good of a golazo in the second half. So... Uh, and then Inter Miami obviously had to had to close things down defensively. What, what were your biggest takeaways from from this victory, this this very important victory that that qualifies them for the playoffs? Yeah, I thought you know Mikey Ambrose came in for Ben Sweat, didn't he? And looked looked decent. Looked, 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 uh, there was no problems there at all. Scott obviously scored that great goal, um, and I think everyone just kind of chipped in. Iguain was was pretty quiet, wasn't he? he? Didn't seem to do that much, but he was still getting involved. From between, he did did okay. Will Trap, you know, they just which is solid enough to make sure that nothing untoward happened, you know, at, at the back, you know, Lewis Morgan's f- corners were brilliant, especially in the wind, you know, the wind was, was swirling. So he really used it to his advantage. His set pieces, set pieces in those conditions were first class and great corner for the, for the second goal. Um, so, you know, everyone just dug in and just, you know, did their part. And if the fans did as well, you know, standing out there and getting your head blown off for, 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 for two hours and soaking wet and everything else. So um, it's everything, everyone did their, did their little bit. There was, it was never going to be a great game and you can't, it's difficult really to judge how the team did because the conditions were just so ridiculous and so bad. So I just think it was just one of those. We just had to pull your socks up for one of the good English phrase. I don't even know if you say that here um, and just grind it out and just get, get the job done. And that's what they did. So my, my takeaway is I'm going to give you two here. One was Mikey Ambrose. Um, I think he's won the starting left back spot ahead of the playoffs. And obviously his goal, his half volley finish from outside the penalty area. A golazo. I'm sure anybody that's listening to this has seen it. But if you haven't, go watch it. Because it, it just won MLS goal of the week, actually, also. It was a golazo. It was the most important goal of his career. And it was the only goal of his career. Because he hadn't scored up until that point in, in his in his few years in the league so uh a great time to get that goal a great moment to get that goal a great game to 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 get that goal and a great way to get that goal for for mikey ambrose um and then i I think again and it's not just because of the goal i don't want it to you know obviously the goal is the biggest talking point from his performance but i think his ability to avoid the type of mistakes that have plagued ben sweat are what's going to give Diego Alonso the confidence to start Mikey Ambrose against Nashville SC on November 20th. Because Ben Sweat has more soccer to him. I mean, that's just my point of view. That's my opinion. I think Ben Ben Sweat gets forward better, combines better, can get into the final third. 
more effectively and, and cross the ball better than Mikey Ambrose. However, he's had far too many mistakes and that have essentially over uh, overshadowed his 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 good attacking attributes or moments. So I think Mikey Ambrose, because of what he did more so on the defensive side and the ability to avoid those errors, I think he's going to be the starter. It has to be said and it has to be noted this was FC Cincinnati that Inter-Miami played against. FC Cincinnati is the worst team in MLS. They had scored 11 goals going into this game. So not 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 necessarily the toughest challenge, but again, nonetheless, I think I think Mikey Ambrose will be the the starting left back come come playoff time. And the second takeaway I had from this one is the improvement that Inter Miami showed on set pieces, or the, the continued improvement that they have been showing on set pieces, because they score obviously their third overall goal this season off of a directly off a set piece with Leandro Gonzalez Pires's well placed header uh, in the 24th minute. But both of the goals, Mikey Ambrose and Leandro Gonzalez-Pires, are born off of corner kicks from the left. The first one ends up getting cleared out, and Mikey Ambrose, you know, chests it down and then hits the half volley. And then, obviously, on the second one, Gonzalez-Pires contorts his body and, and nods the ball into the back of the net. And that was his second game-winning goal off of a, off of a corner in the last four games. So that's improvement for Inter Miami. That's, you know, that's an area that we've talked about that I've definitely talked about over the course of this year that Inter Miami has has needed to improve and now towards the end of the season we've seen some improvement or at least more efficiency with regards to putting turning those chances into goals and it's helped them make a massive difference and helped them pick up points that they weren't picking up before and it's what it's what's helped allow them to to make the postseason even Diego Alonso jokingly when I asked him about Leandro Gonzalez Pires after the match, he you know he he jokingly was like, yeah you know, and he scored off of a, off of a set piece or off a dead ball situation you know which interests you so much. And he said it with a smile and he and he chuckled. So it wasn't like he was he was taking a dig. He it was just just some banter there from from Diego Alonso. So what, what did you think about that? What do you think about their set pieces? Do you, do you think they've improved in that regard or is it just was it just you know moments and, and just what happened in, in this game? Yeah, I mean I think you know. Uh... You know, as I said, Lewis Morgan's delivery on set pieces is, is great. He's, he's their number one, he's their main sort of taker, isn't it? I think Iguain has maybe stepped in and, and maybe certainly scored that goal, didn't he? But just the yeah, air, maybe in, in general, that's, I guess, if you're sort of struggling to score goals in open play and, and produce a kind of sort of attractive attacking football that everyone wants to see, you've got to make sure that, you know, you just get the basics right. So you defend well and then you, you take advantage at, at, at set plays because that's probably their not wanting to be sort of disrespectful to the midfield or the attack, whatever, that's probably actually the best chance of scoring when you've got someone like Lewis Morgan, who's great, um, great, great at free kicks, curling them in. And then Leandro Perry, uh, Gonzalez Perez, sorry, is, um, he's quite a handful in the box. And, you know, they, they've, they seem to get a bit of joy out of that. So it's probably they've been working extra hard on it. He's, re- you know, you can imagine Diego Alonso, that, that would be one of his sort of things to be, to be, to, to work on a lot, wouldn't it? And, you know, so maybe that's why he didn't get a bit sort of jumpy with you because he knows that that's maybe the truth. He does like it. So, um, you know. <laughs> I, well, I wanted to say that Diego Alonso and I have had a talking point over the course of the second half of the season with regards to set pieces. You know, anyone that's followed me on, on Twitter this, this year knows that a few weeks ago I, I put up a video at, at Diego Alonso's request, when he told he had told me during a press conference, when I asked him about set pieces, he had said, you know, I, 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 I task you with doing this assignment of looking through all of our set pieces this year. So 
I ended up doing that. Couldn't obviously go through every single set piece Intermind he had. Um, I had been critical of that. Diego Alonso had said that you know Intermind was actually doing well despite not scoring on them. But I ended up going through the highlights that, that are out there that we can use on the media side, and I pieced together a compilation of them all and talked about what the strengths were and what the weaknesses were, where the room for improvement was. And, you know, one of the one of the takeaways I had from that was that Leandro Gonzalez-Pires was the only real threat, the only real aerial threat Inter Miami has on set pieces. And now we've seen that even more so because he scored twice again, in the, like I said, in the, last, in the last four games. Now, before we wrap up this segment, Steve... You touched on them making the playoffs. Now, Inter Miami made the playoffs as the 10th place team, the final team in the Eastern Conference. Normally, 10 teams don't make the playoffs uh, in either conference, but because of the situation this year with coronavirus and the, and Nashville coming into the East after initially starting out on the West, that there were more playoff berths. Inter Miami's in the playoffs, and they had a, a great celebration after the match. Some people were a little bit critical of the celebration, saying... It was a little bit extra because all they did was qualify for the playoffs as the 10th place team. Regardless, thought the celebration and, and, and the scenes were, were, were good ones, were, were positive ones, especially in the middle of a storm. And um, good for Inter Miami after what they've, they've been through this year to, to have that moment where they can uh, enjoy themselves a bit and, and, and they accomplish their goal of making the playoffs. However... What grade do you give them based on their regular season? We'll, we'll, you know, we'll give them their full... You know, their full grade once we, we see their playoff performances, how many games they get, if they win, how they do there. And we'll give them a full grade once the whole campaign comes to a close. But just based on regular season, based on these first 23 matches, what grade would you give them in the regular season? Um, a letter or a number? Let's do let's do letter. Let's do a letter here. Okay. Um, good question. I think, a, I think a C, a solid C, I think... They haven't been brilliant. I mean, the record is, is not great at all. Seven wins now from 23 is not is not great, is it? And that that's that speaks of a lot of problems and, and issues with with the team itself. But they've still managed to sort of to, to do it and, and get through. I think that's and if it's one thing, I think you know, like Jorge Massa for the season was saying how he wants the spirit and that you know that to be what the club's all about, the fighting spirit. And yeah, to have the style, but to show what, you know, Miami's all about. And I think that never say die attitude or whatever other psycho babble he came out with. But, you know, they, they've, they've kind of proved that they've at least got that. And that, that can get you, that can win you games. Like I think it won arguably the biggest game they've ever played. Um, they managed to win. So, yeah, lots of work to do. And the science, some signings haven't worked and all that, but they've still done it. So, C maybe B minus. Wow, C to B minus. That's that is uh, that's very different from what I'm about to say. I I was honestly on the fence between a D plus and a C minus, and I'm gonna say C minus. I'm gonna say they passed, but barely. And again, yeah. for me, it's because which is true. For me, it's because look, they made it to the playoffs. Yes, they made it to the playoffs in a difficult year. Absolutely, but they made it to the playoffs as the final seed. They were the tenth best team in a conference of 14 so that's not very complimentary that you're the fifth worst team and you made the playoffs but they're in so can't take that away from them but just looking at their record looking at their performances looking at their just overall statistics just it's just not been good enough you know it's good enough to just make the playoffs but it's not good enough for what Inter Miami expects to be and wants to be and you know they needed outside help also they didn't just depend on themselves and Diego Alonso said this 
you know, in the build-up to the game and in the weeks prior that he wasn't scoreboard watching, that he was just focused on Inter-Miami. But I asked him after the game, this past game, when the final whistle blew, he celebrated very euphoriously. And it, it, that, to me, said that he knew the results of the other games. He knew what was going on. So I asked him about that, and he confirmed. He said, I'm not going to lie to you. You know, towards this, in, in stoppage time, I asked one of my assistant coaches what was going on in the other games, and they let me know. So the, the, the weight of the moment got to him in terms of, you know, not making good on, on that. I don't, know, I don't know if it was a promise or just, you know, that's not necessarily the, the best word, but wasn't good on, on what he said he was go- going to do. Now, they're in the playoffs, and they got that weight off their chest. They took, you know, they were celebrating with the fans, with themselves, in the middle of the storm. It seemed like they forgot about the storm for a minute, and then they took that picture post-game as a group. You know, they're, they're excited, and they're, and they're looking forward and forgetting about everything that happened from these first 23 games and taking the playoffs as a new, whole new challenge. Good, good on them. I, and we'll, that will determine what their final grade is, what how well they do. But again, like I said a week ago, a playoff run should not necessarily, unless they make it to MLS Cup or they make a really deep run, a playoff run should not necessarily completely overshadow the body of work that was done during the regular season when you have more games to really see what your team is like. And through 23 games, Inter-Miami just was not very good. They definitely have things to address next year if they're going to be the type of team that they want to be, which is one of the top teams in MLS. So we'll see We'll see how things go from this point forward. We'll come back at the, at the end of the year and, and give them a full grade to see if that if mine goes up or if yours goes down or if we both go up or we both go down. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. But we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to jump into an interesting debate about Rodolfo Pizarro and his Mexico national team duty after this. Steve, so we touched on this topic, and I want to revisit it because there's been a lot of discussion about it. Rodolfo Pizarro is with Mexico's national team. It's official now. He is with Mexico. Diego Alonso confirmed that on Sunday. Pizarro traveled in, in recent days and is, has been seen with Mexico's team practicing, getting ready for a pair of friendlies. And that, that will rule him out of that first playoff match against Nashville SC on November 20th, next Friday. Because while he'll be back in South Florida by then, MLS rules require him to self-quarantine for, I think it's 10 days. So he's going to miss that first game. And he might even miss a second game if Inter-Miami is able to beat Nashville. Now, there's been a lot of discussion, like I just said, on social media about how can this happen? Why would he go? There's a lot to it there. We're going to jump into it. But Steve, I just want to hear your your first, just your take on him going. So that way we can get into it. Because I think we're on different sides of the debate on this point. And I think by us talking, I think we can inform our listeners and, and any, anybody else about what the situation is. And then they can form a better fully uh, fledged or fully formed opinion. They won't need to flip to build any sort of opinion. Because what I'm going to say now makes it, it seems so ridiculous. I mean, I'm just looking at the, I'm just looking at the calendar. So the first Concacaf um, World Cup qualifiers aren't even slated until March 21. Okay, 
Mm-hmm. And then every, everything after that is TBD. You know, the, the argument obviously is that Bizarro would probably be better suited to staying staying at the club and, and, and playing. You know, Mexico know about him. It's not as if he's just come into the squad. I mean, there's a situation with England this week where Jude Bellingham, a 17-year-old kid that went from Birmingham City to Borussia Dortmund, been called up for the England squad for the first time. Yet people are saying, oh, why don't you pick up uh, when they call up like Ross Barkley at Aston Villa and the argument who's been playing well the argument is they know about Ross Barkley they don't know about him and I, you can't tell me that if the first game is in March I'm not sure how many international windows are before that but you'd think it'd be maybe at least two or three and it's what, it's, it doesn't even start till March 2020, 2021 so why not allow him to, to, to stay you know I know that it's guided by FIFA regulations but I don't know I mean I'm sure they must have been able to come to some agreement where they know what a massive game it is here in Miami for Pizarro. What's the point of going to all the way to Austria and playing against Japan and South Korea? What does that What does that prove to to, to anyone in Mexico? Really, they they know they know about him. He's played in Mexico. He's been in the national team for however many years and got however how many caps and appearances. I just think find it's weird, and you're going to argue differently, but I don't care because <laughs> I'm a hundred percent right. Well, you are a hundred percent not right. Um... First of all, now and I have to correct you. There is there are no more international windows as of right now in the FIFA calendar between no these November friendlies and next March, and that's traditionally how it's been over the last few years. There are no there is no FIFA recognized windows over the winter break. So, okay, fine. So, so this not, is I'm the not, this is the last fine. window that Mexico has to fine tune things and work on things as a group, as a team, work on chemistry, work on repetition, work on patterns. So. And Mexico is under no obligation at all to have to think about what is in Intermani's best interest because Mexico, again, like I said last week, has their own interest that they need to take care of. Tata Martino's job is to qualify Mexico for the World Cup. And why should he sacrifice one of his only few windows? National team coaches don't have very many windows in a year as is, especially this year with everything that's gone on. They haven't had their team for most of this year. So why would he sacrifice an opportunity to gain chemistry and to have his thing, have his team work on things to to benefit Inter Miami? That's why the international windows are in place. That's why this this normally doesn't. I mean, obviously we're in we're in a different situation with COVID, right? And MLS has but MLS has these rules in place that not every other league has. So MLS is is being safe and, and taking precautions. But that that's also coming with the knowledge that you have international players and that they're going to miss important games in the playoffs because you don't adhere to the FIFA calendar. You play from January to December, so your most important games come at the end of the year, which at the end of the year, there's an international window. So, look, Mexico has... Tata Martino has his job. That's what he has to do. Like, Diego Alonso has his job, and he knows what he has to do. So, it would be... Let's, let's, flip, let's flip it. Let's say Mexico wanted to just schedule a pair of friendlies. Let's say Mexico, it's not an international window. Let's say it's De- it's uh, it's December 1st. And Mexico's like, hey, I want to play a friendly at home against Costa Rica. We just want to like find, further fine-tune things and really get ready for next year, which is going to be such an important year for us because World Cup qualifying begins and there's you know, CONCACAF Nations League, semifinals, etc., etc. Hey, Inter-Miami. Will you send Rodolfo Pizarro? It's not an internationally recognized window, but will you send him because you know we need him? Inter Miami's going to say no. Inter Miami would yes, say yes, hey. because, because you you allowed him to come to Nashville and he scored a hat trick and that was when we won MLS Cup, so that was great. And now he's a world superstar. So <laughs> you know, 
I can't imagine that he wouldn't have sat down with, with Mexico, with, with Tata Martino or whoever, and they had this discussion. And if Bizarro really would have said, look, I'm desperate to stay, I, I, I want to I play for Miami, blah, blah, and they would have had this frank discussion about it. I cannot believe that he would not let him go. So I, I don't, you know, that, that is pure speculation. I just, just thinking, you know, just as it is, as, as a man to man, I'm talking about it. I just, I mean, if they were World Cup qualifiers, yes, but I think, Man, but they, you they have to get so... ready for World Cup qualifiers. You, like, you, have, know, to, you but... have to you have to practice right before you play. Right, you have to but work on things before you can if, play. If he if he plays brilliantly in in that against Nashville, say, and then all of a sudden he you know he finds a bit of form, then that can help Mexico moving forward. I just think that it's March twenty one. We're talking about it's the first game. I know. Okay, if there's no other windows before that, fine. But it's all about three months away. I just I don't but, know. But with three months doesn't help Mexico fine tune things if they don't get together again. So like. That this, like the time makes no difference if they don't have any other windows from here till then to further fine tune things and work on things. Like the time makes no no difference. It could be three months, four months, five months, six months. Like if they, or it could be two months. But if they don't have another window to 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 before they start playing games that matter, then they have to call in their best team and work on things. And like I said last week as well, you like Inter Miami fans, and I get it. It's, it's upsetting that one of your best players, your one of your designated players, is not going to be around for a vital do-or-die playoff game. I fully understand the frustration. But Mexico, again, Tata Martino has his job. Mexico's national team has its fans. And Rodolfo Pizarro is an international player. So this is, this is a situation that happens for international players. And why it's such a big deal in MLS is because MLS plays through the international window, whereas most other leagues around the world do not. So it's not as big of a deal because they play internationally and they come back and they play their games with their club team. They don't miss any time normally. That's also, normally the situation. And also this is a different debate we can have another time. But, you know, with the, because MLS don't stick to the normal other fit, the calendar, the transfer market as well is skewed because the windows are different. And everything, and that causes different problems. But that's a completely different argument. I'm sorry for going off on the no, tangent. No, I mean, that's correct. That's why Inter-Miami ended up getting Blaise Matuidi and Gonzalo Higuain halfway through the season as opposed to the beginning of the season because the transfer windows are reversed and they were coming from Europe. So that, that I mean, definitely is something we can talk about at a later at a later pod because it is something that has affected Inter-Miami's season. But just, just to quickly, just to wrap up on, on Pizarro. Look, he's got obligations with his national team like he has obligations with Inter-Miami. I get it's a, it's a do-or-die game compared to a friendly. I get that. But Mexico, again, he can't... How could he... Look, if he sat down with Diego Alonso and Tata Martino, let's say they all, you know, they did a Zoom call, and it's Pizarro and Diego Alonso side by side, and they're talking to Tata, and Tata's like, hey, are you saying you don't want to come to the national team? If he says no, first of all, first of all, that's going to show a lack of, yes, sure, he's committed to Inter Miami in the playoff, but then it's going to show a lack of commitment to his national team that he's not as invested in going to the national no team. No way, because... man. No way. Look, they beat yeah, and he'd say, do, do you want to stay or go? I said, well, no, I always want to play for Mexico, but this is also a massive team for, for game for the club. Diego Alonso on, on his Zoom call would then steam in, and Miami people would like, look, you know, we need him. He's our top guy, all this sort of stuff. And so what? They had a massive blazing row about it? And you, th- they, you, and you, oh. think, you think Mexico, Mexico fans will be like, Oh, okay, well, you know, he chose his club team over coming with us in an international window. You think they're just going to be like, that's okay. That's no, I'm not, talking, not I, talking about Lionel Messi or, or Ronaldo, Cristiano it, Ronaldo. But, no, it, it's, but it's still it's still perspective in, in public. And, like, the public isn't going to turn on him if he does that. If he's like, hey, I'm not coming because 
you, for, that, you, for that memorable game in Austria when we played South Korea. Yeah, that's right? a, but, that, but, Mexico, but Mexican fans don't necessarily care about Inter-Miami, just like Inter-Miami fans don't necessarily care about, care about Mexico's task, right? Like, there's, 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 two, there's different interests on both parties. Pizarro is in the middle of both interests. And look, at the end of the day, he's gone, right? Like, and, and by FIFA rules, if he's called up, he has to go. If he doesn't go, then there's, and he can be uh, reprimanded. He can, he can be punished for that. So, but he's there. He's there. He did it. They, they would have had a gentleman's agreement not to, not to pick him, and then they would just, you know, it doesn't. You know, they could have, it's not. A, I don't think it's too much a case of that he would. He had to go. You know, I mean, I just, I just, I don't know. It's, it's interesting to think about the, the psyche of people on both sides of the of the coin because. Um, you know, it's just, you could you could read into it both ways, and we are just reading into it, aren't we? We don't we don't know. We weren't we weren't on that Zoom call. I couldn't hack into it, unfortunately. <laughs> Listen, man. Uh, you know, I just I just it's two friendlies against Japan and so, South Korea in Austria in November. Okay. When the first game World Cup qualifier is until March, and there's 14 match days. So you fine tune, yeah, you fine tune your squad now, but. Your World Cup squad pretty much is built around the qualification process anyway, and there's a lot of games there, a lot of games. Okay, so if you're so, so if you're Tata Martino, I'm gonna ask you this, and then we can wrap this up. If you're Tata Martino, you would you would leave one of your maybe he's not one of the top players on Mexico, but you would leave one of your regular players out of your national team for a FIFA recognized window because you think it's better for him to stay with his club team. That's that's what you're saying. If yeah, you, you, okay. and, and we're talking about a player here also that, is, that hasn't been great at all. It has, if he's been good for the national team, he hasn't been particularly great for Inter Miami. So maybe like, okay, let, let's let him stick with it. Let him try and, and do it and see. Maybe it'd be good for him and he'll get some more confidence and then we can reap the benefits. We can reap the benefit of that and it'd be good for, it'd be good for us. So, you know, it's just, um, look, it's two friendlies in Austria against Japan and South Korea. We're not talking about the World Cup final or a key World Cup qualifier. It's a two friendlies. And so I just I I think I think he should be playing for his club in this instance. They would have come and had a special agreement not to pick him, and then and then that, that's it. And then they, they'll meet back up, and and then they'll go from there, and then they build the team for the World <laughs> Cup in the qualifying process. But what, not gonna, it's not going to be the you know they've got so many games. They're not going to build a World Cup winning team in Austria against South Korea, are they? But but I mean, why, but if you're Tata Martino, your job is to get to get the best out of Mexico. You can Mexico's national team. The best out of Mexico national team qualify for the World Cup. Try to do as good as you can in the World Cup. That's your job. That's your job. Your job is not to worry about Inter Miami. Not to worry about MLS. Not to worry about MLS playoffs. It's about your national team. So Him if, you're, if, you're, if you're getting paid money to do that, you're gonna you would you're saying you would leave one of your one of your regular players out of the picture when your job is to do. You don't think your bosses would be like, hey, you know, like what's up? What's up with that? Why did you leave one of our, one of your regular players? Out of the picture, you don't think that like his his boss is gonna be curious about if he made that decision? Like, I guess. Wait, hold on. Let, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. this is the. I guess this is the point I'm trying to make. If he leaves him with Inter Miami, what what does he get in return for doing that? What does he get? What what is he gonna get back? It's not like they're gonna release him on a non international window for Mexico to go play in a Mexico friendly some other point. Like Mexico doesn't 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 do that. Mexico doesn't ask for players to come on non international windows. So what what benefit does he get? What does he get in return for making this sacrifice that no other national team is really making except for the U.S. men's national team? But we've that's a whole different story. He is getting a player who probably in the last international window when he hooked up with them was probably a bit low on confidence. I didn't see those Mexico. I don't know how he played. I think he did okay. From I remember what I've read, 
he will be getting a player that has rediscovered his form potentially. It may not happen like that, but potentially a bit of confidence, a bit of form, and and whatever else happens on this p- potential playoff run, whatever. Um, and and he'd, he'd get the benefits of that. I'm telling you now, if Mexico win the World Cup, it will not hinge on what Tata Martino did against Japan and South Korea in two friendlies in Austria in November of 2020. I'm telling you that right now. And if you don't believe me, we can talk about it at another time on a <laughs> family podcast. We'll, we'll do an after-hours podcast where we can swear at each other and uh, and, and, and yeah. really let us, and really let us have it. Um, each other have it. Um, okay, cool. So we're we're gonna leave it at there. We're gonna let let people continue the conversation. And, and you know, where where do you guys stand? Let us know uh, on on the Twitter handles which side of the debate you stand on, because it's clearly there's plenty of people on on both sides in terms of whether Pizarro should be here with Inter Miami or with Mexico. We're going to take uh, another short break, and then we'll come back with our Q&A session and our final thoughts. All right, Steve, I hope you've had a cup of ice-cold water to cool down because we have our Q&A session now. We've got a lot of, a lot of questions to get to this week. Um, a lot of interest here ahead of this first playoff game on November 20th against Nashville SC. So uh, I'll ask the question, Steve, and then we'll, we'll alternate in terms of you know how we respond and how we answer them. But let's try to keep it short because, like I said, there are, there are a few of them. So the first one comes from Jorge Medina. I'm going to get away from doing the ats because I got a request last week to not say the at because of you know how many numbers there are. And they were just like, just call me. By my name. So we're going to go with the names here. Jorge Medina. So looking into next season, who are some players realistically or unrealistically Inter Miami and Diego Alonso should be interested in acquiring? Great job with the reporting and podcast. So, Steve, what do you think? I mean, obviously this is a pretty pretty big pool here that you have to pick from. But just, you know, someone... Let's let's go with, uh, realistically, someone that they, they should look to sign or that maybe they could try to sign. I mean, yeah, I mean, they've been linked with Sergio, Sergio Ramos, his name is, is, is mentioned. I saw there was a story about Cristiano Ronaldo has been named by one of the bookmakers as, as his number one top destination potentially could be Miami. Um, I think that they, yeah, look, it's, it's that sort of fantasy land, isn't it? But I mean, imagine someone like Sergio Ramos playing there now, even if, you know, the attention he would bring, but just his quality on the field at, at the back as well would be, um, you know, would be, would be awesome. So, Journalistically, it is well. You know, having a big name is always, always gets us busy and working, writing, you know, different stories and stuff like that. But um, we'll have to we'll have to see what happens. He's got. I think they've got so many different holes to fill in the in the in the, in the team. It's, it's it's difficult to know where to start really. But a, a decent striker alongside Higuain, I think, would be great. A decent striker. There you go with that four four two again. Which hey, they actually kind of played variations of it during the second half of. Uh, of this game against FC Cincinnati, so um, you know, I told Diego. I told Diego about it. <laughs> That's actually an excellent point. I will use that next the next game. And he did. And maybe, 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 yeah. I think Diego Alonso was listening to the show, and then you know he gave you a he gave you a buzz to say, "Hey, man, mm-hmm. I like I like how you think." I wouldn't be surprised if you get hired on the coaching staff um, somewhat I, soon. I, I didn't want to say anything, but I have to, I'm, I'm set to be appointed next week. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> breaking news! Breaking news! Um, for me, look, I think we've talked about the the imbalance that exists in the attack. I think they need a left winger. I think they they have to find someone to fill that spot if they're going to truly play the way Diego Alonso wants to play. So, you know, 
maybe maybe fill that maybe fill a third DP slot, move Matias Pellegrini out of a DP spot, and and sign someone. Yeah, maybe that's a little bit better and a little bit older, um, but sign someone that can fill that spot and give you something. You know, a, a name that just out of is coming to me out of you know popping into my head. Maybe someone like Alexis Sanchez, right? That can play can play that position and and can help you get goals and assists out of there because you need you need something out of there. Now maybe Alexis Sanchez will be too too high price for what they want to pay, so maybe they go younger. But you need someone on that on that left wing to to really make an impact and really take this team to the next level. Okay, next question from Can't See Me. With the announcement that MLS will allow third kits next season, do you expect Inter-Miami to get one, and what would you like to see as a third kit? I'd love to see an homage to the Supporter Shields winning Fusion team tie this club back to the original in some fashion. I'll start here. I would like to see a pink jersey. If it, Now, we know that this the secondary jersey this year, the black one with the three pink horizontal or uh vertical stripes excuse me on the on the right shoulder this is the only season that they'll be using that so if this is the first time you're hearing that yes this is the only season that Inter Miami is going to use that black jersey next year they'll have a, a new secondary jersey if they bring in a third jersey and if that if that second that new second jersey is not pink then i would like the third jersey to be a pink one this team is is predominantly black and pink it's you know the colors that are all over the stadium and um, the seats and it, I, they need a pink jersey. They they train with one, and I think it's the most it's the best selling one that they've had this year. Obviously, the price comes into effect because it's much cheaper than the other ones. But I think they need a pink jersey to play in. Yeah, that's a nice point. Maybe a Mexico shirt or something. My Mexico torn out of my team after a terrible decision. <laughs> hey, you know you know Wolves um, after they signed Raúl Jiménez, Mexico national team forward, they ended up coming out with a third kit. I think it was last season now because now we're, we're in the new season um, where that was predominantly Mexico colors and it was obviously done to try to sell shirts in, in Mexico. At least that was my perception from it. So, um, hey man, you know, maybe maybe your idea is not so far-fetched. Um, next, next question comes from Andres, long-time listener. And he, he talks about Sergio Ramos here. He says... Hypothetically, if the Sergio Ramos rumor were true, how would they pull it off financially in MLS? Does it make any sense? I'm just being hopeful. Thanks again for the pods. All right, Steve, you're up this one. I mean, you just you just don't know. Look, I mean, you, you just pull up pictures of Sergio Ramos on on, Insta, on 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 social media, whatever. Big big friends with Beckham. They obviously played together for so long. So that that is a key element of, of all of this. You know, they definitely would have spoken about it for sure. Why not? What and why would if you're going to move anywhere, you can move to, from Madrid to Miami. Perfect sort of you know, transition um, in terms of the culture, just the, the city and the way it is, everything like that. The only stumbling block for me would be the money and how much he'd want. Um, you know, I'm un- unaware of what he's on right now around Madrid, but he'd be on a, on a fair amount and be, you know, but 34 years old, coming towards the end of his career, one last sort of move. If he's, if he's earning seven million a year maybe or, or or slightly less around that to come and live in Miami for a, for a couple of years and play for your mate's team and that sounds good to me so definitely one to keep an eye on Jorge Mas was on Onside Radio earlier today uh, he was with the Big O who does a great job with with their with their radio program that they've started up over there at Inter-Miami CF Stadium and they had a good interview and that was one of the things they talked about was uh, Sergio Ramos the Sergio Ramos rumor and Jorge Mas said they want to sign big name players. That's that's what they want to make part of their brand. So 
he, he didn't say no, it's not possible, but he didn't say yes, it was possible either. He just said that that's the type of signing that they would like to continue, yeah, look, to, continue to make. Higuain has, has made the move. My tweet, I saw my tweet, some of his pictures on social media. I think he's living near Bell Harbor around that sort of way. It's so nice there. They can live like kings and have a great, great lifestyle, um, you know, living in Miami or, you know, North Beach or, or whatever. Um, so I think that also play, plays into it as well. It's an attractive move for him. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see. Fingers crossed. Imagine that. That would be brilliant. That I mean, would it would brilliant. be a great signing, a very recognizable name, uh, a recognizable face. Uh, a villain for for other teams and maybe for for the league in general. But look, I, honestly, if I if I'm just giving you my point of view, I don't think it's going to happen. I think this is just a negotiating tactic for Sergio Ramos as he tries to to negotiate a new deal with Real Madrid. I think he's got one more very big deal in Europe left in him before he thinks about making such a move either to MLS or to. Asia or wherever he can go and, and get a, a, a significant payday at a later phase in his career. I think he's still playing at such a high level. He can get a, a, one more good deal um, at, out of Real Madrid. And secondly, this is definitely worth noting, it's unprecedented uh, for in MLS to pay someone, a defender, you know, seven million plus dollars. It's just it hasn't. It's just not heard of. It just hasn't been. It's never happened before. So if it were to happen, it'd be a very unprecedented uh, move. So we'll, we'll we'll continue on. So like I said, we've got a few questions. Uh, Can't see me came back again um, with another question, and he says, "Over the majority of the season, this team lacked an identity, and for good reason. What do you think the identity is right now, and how deep can they go in the playoffs with what they have? And moving forward, what do you think the identity of this team should be?" Steve, go ahead. Well, we touched on that earlier, didn't we, when Jorge Massa, the Rusty Pelican, just before the start of the season, you know, kept going on about the brand of, of team or, or club that they wanted, the style. It was, I got the impression to talk about like an expansive, aggressive, sexy football, you know, that that kind of stuff, um, really, you know, attacking and all that sort of thing. But it hasn't been, it hasn't been like that. And if anything, they've just shown spirit, I think. Um, so I think they do want, they do see it as having the Iguains and the Sergio Ramoses and Beckhams, that's that's the kind of effect they want to have. But that hasn't been replicated on the pitch yet. But instead of that, they've actually shown a, a bit of fight, which then, you know, is at least this season now is a base for them to build on for next year and what happens then. And, you know, everyone's learning the whole time. So um, I think what they want the club to be is not there right now, but as it moves forward. And, you know, you've got to remember also, if, if we were talking in normal times, when there'd be like actual fans, proper the stadium packed, which it would have been the whole time, then the effect that the sort of impact the team would have had on the wider sort of, you know, public or whatever would have been bigger as well. And it would have seemed different. So um, I think, yeah, they've made a decent start in difficult circumstances. And, but then we then they'll move on to next season, see what happens. I think the identity that they have, that they've established this year, is that they're, a tough team to play against that they're not necess- they're not going to be an easy out for anybody now they've made individual errors and that's cost them points but they've been very hard to play against all you have to do is look at the scores and you can see that repeated 2 to 1 scoreline quite a bit this year both in favor of Inter Miami and against Inter Miami it's been very common this season so that shows that again like I think I said this a few pods ago with you they don't blow teams away normally, and they don't normally get blown out. They're always in games because they're so tough to play against. I think the attack is lacking, though. I don't think that they're this free-flowing, possession-based, you know, pretty soccer that was initially sold to the public. I, For me, I think that's what you need to be eventually, to, to, and you need to be a winner. You need to be a pretty winner here, right, to, to really 
grab a hold of, of as much of the South Florida market and fan base as a soccer fan base as, as you can. I think you need to play well and you need to be a winner. So, because you can win and not necessarily play the most attractive brand, which I think if Inter Miami gets to where it wants to be, I think they're, they're, that's what they're going to be. I think they're going to play. I think that they can win under Diego Alonso and be successful, but I don't know if they're going to play the prettiest, prettiest soccer because they, need- they haven't shown it. You need, and you, but you need the big names as well, though, man. You need the they've big got, names. They have two. They've got two big names. And, and, and you can say three if you want to throw in Pizarro there. Absolutely. No, they've got three stellar sort of international how, players. It's MLS. Guess, you, can't have, you can't have a full roster full of, you know, No, of course not. No, but that's it. They, they've made decent start. They've got decent names. But then link, being linked with people like Sergio Ramos and Beckham's in the background and all this stuff. Um, I don't mean to keep harping on like Beckham, but that's all I comes out. I just see it through his... You know his sort of vision or whatever, and um, you know it's just uh, it it just bodes well, I think, to have that kind of person that can sort of attract other interest into onto the club. I think it's great. We know you just want to give your your long lost cousin a shout a shout out on the, awesome. on the pod. Yeah. We know yeah, we know it. that. Listen, listen. <laughs> okay, let's let's keep going. Uh, Carlos Segovia, what backline would you use against Nashville? As the one against Cincinnati was really good and also provides the goals. Who would you put for Pizarro, Pellegrini, or Carranza? We didn't touch much on the matchup against Nashville this week because we're going to do that next week when we come back on uh, early next week before the Friday game. But we'll answer this question. Um, In terms of the back line, I think it's going to be... You don't have Andres Reyes, right? He's out out with a a suspension. But I think you're going to see Mikey Ambrose on the left. I think you're going to see Leandro Gonzalez-Pires at center back. And then... Then that gets trickier, right, on the on the right side because Nicolas Figal is out injured. So what do you do with the center back spot, and then what do you do with the right back spot? I think you're going to see AJ De La Garza back in the middle, and then I think you're going to see Dylan Nealis out on the right because I don't really see any other alternative there. I mean, you could keep De La Garza out on the right, put McCoon at center back, but then you have to, he would have to go in on the left center back spot and you'd have to push Gonzalez Pires over to the right spot. I just I think it's too much too much movement. I think you're gonna see uh De La Garza in the middle and uh Dylan Nilos on the right. What do you think, uh Steve? Yeah, I don't think he's not gonna make too many he's not gonna make too many sort of changes, is he? I definitely think, you know, Mike Ambrose is probably gonna keep his place, I would have thought. And um I don't think he'll make too many changes other than like you said, replacing our our friend Rodolfo. So um Maybe Pellegrini, yeah, he's, he's paces and he gets in amongst them and you know he's had a bit of a breather, so he may be sort of hungry for it. It's what I think is worth more. I think he's more creative than Carranza looks, but Carranza more like sort of workman, like isn't he? Like gets the work done, but so you don't want you don't want the four four two all of a sudden. You have an opportunity to go four four two, and you're telling me you don't want to take it now. Oh my goodness, Steve. Yeah, go, yeah, go just. <laughs> Diego just texted me and told me not to mention the four four two again. No, I had to hold it back, but Secret yeah, just he's tricky a little bit. They're just that it's that little bit of creativity, and he can if he's on his game, he's shown enough that he, he's quite, a, um, he's quite you know a tricky could be a sort of tricky player in that final third. So yeah, maybe they'll give him the nod. I think it would be either Pellegrini or Breck Shea that start for Pizarro, and they'll do so on the left side. Now we got to take into account that Shea has not played in recent games. There's I have a final thought on that that I want to touch on um, as well. He hasn't played in recent games. Diego Alonso said last week he would pl- he would be available for the match against FC Cincinnati, but then wasn't in uniform because, according to to team spokespersons, that he wasn't medically cleared to play. So, Brexhay is still a bit of a mystery of whether he'll be healthy enough to play in that game. If he is, though, I'd expect it to be between him and Pellegrini to, to play there. Next question from Fighting Herons. 
Any ideas on what the team can do to create more shooting chances for Iguain? If anything, it seems like he was trying to create chances and be the number 10 for teammates in the last game. I'll start here. Something I've touched on quite a bit. Yes, we've seen this from, from Gonzalo Iguain, not only in this last game, but in a lot of previous games because the ball doesn't get to him consistently enough in dangerous positions. What can you do at this point? I mean, there's not much you can do because you have the roster that you have and uh, you're not going to really change things up tactically uh, at this point. You know, the only, the only real thing they could do is in, put in like someone like his brother, uh, Federico Higuain, to try to help create more. But then that takes away from what Diego Alonso wants in terms of the work rate and the defensive responsibilities. So I don't think there's much you can do. I don't think there's much you can do to, to really give him more unless you just tell him, stay in the box, don't drop at all and try to pick up the ball, which I don't see Diego Alonso doing because it's better to have you going on the ball than not. But he has, yeah, I mean, Federico hasn't had a chance at all, is he? I mean, I don't know. I, I, to be honest, I forgot about him. I mean, th- I think that would be good. Why don't you just chuck him in? He hasn't, he's, he hasn't started a game yet, has he? So um, Doesn't have the defensive work rate. Diego Alonso wants his midfielders, yeah, whoever but, it is. I mean, I'm just letting you know what Diego Alonso's likes I'm, or I what he rates, okay. but... It's not. It's not my personal taste. I'd prefer to have a number ten that's more attacking. Yeah. Even, even if he gives up some things defensively, but I'm not the coach. Diego Alonso, the coach. Diego Alonso wants players that have work rate that can put in um, some fight and some and some tackles and, and do that part of it. So that's why we haven't seen him. That's why we didn't see much of Lee win. It's just not not necessarily the characteristic that he likes. They haven't scored. They haven't scored goals of then. I guess this then come, brings it back to the previous point, which we're not going to go on about again. But the identity of the team. So is is he the right? Has he, is he able to create that the identity that they want? Well, look, I'll, I'll, I'll point this out to you because you know I know you're, you speak some Spanish or you know some Sp- some Spanish, but not you know not necessarily <laughs> the most fluent one. Um, I asked Diego Alonso about his propensity for for wanting to play wide and and just deliver crosses and crosses and crosses. That's clearly an identity of of Inter Miami uh, a few weeks ago, and and he said, and this was his response. So you you take it for how you want, and you know you have your opinion on it. That he thinks the best way is to open up... The only way to open up spaces in the middle or the best way to open up spaces in the middle is to do so by first playing out wide and and making teams come out to those sections of the field. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but that's what he said. Um, so another reason why maybe he doesn't like the number, the a tr- more traditional number 10 in there. That's, I guess and, and we're not, neither of us are coaches, but that's, that's fine if you want to do that. But then you have to mix it up and maybe... When they've, if they, you stick rigidly to one plan, then you need to make that change. Is he making that change um, emphatically enough, or, or not, or doing anything at all with it? I don't, you know, I don't know. I'm not sure. We haven't analysed it like that, but we'll we'll get to that when we do the postmortem at the end of the season. We got two more questions. Uh, one's from Gabe P. If we win at Nashville, would you guys consider that a good season? Who would you let go to start next season? Out of all the players, how many would have a guaranteed spot next year? That's a lot of questions, um, and we we've, we're 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 taking a long time on these Q and A. So, I'll, Steve, just answer answer one of them, and I'll answer one or the other, or maybe both of the other ones. I think it's been a, I think it's been a good season. Period. If if they stop, you know. Because they got through the playoffs, into the playoffs, I think anything from here is a bonus. So I think this has been a good season. I think, you know, that that was what they needed to do. And they've done it. And then anything else, great. Steve's beer is half full. And my steer, my beer is half empty because I don't think it's been a good season. They, again, we touched on this earlier. 10th place team in the Eastern Conference got in by the skin of their teeth. Uh, on the final day of the regular season without side help that was needed. So don't think it's been a good season. If they beat Nashville, it's a better season. Still don't think it's a good season because Nashville is not necessarily you know an upper echelon team. It's an expansion team just like Inter-Miami. If Inter-Miami can beat a top team, then the balance tips 
way more into the good season uh, scale, you know, beating a, a Philadelphia in the playoffs or, or beating a Toronto. If they can do that, then I think that the season is is there for this. Then a little looks a little bit better. But based on what we what we've seen to this point, I don't think it's been a good season. And you know, I, I can't I can't say how many spots are guaranteed at this point because there's just so much that's going to change over the offseason with expansion draft and free agency and Miami's going to make cuts. You know they're going to make changes. Lately, he's used more of his 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 bench um, by force, but I don't think it, I don't think he's necessarily sold on on the group he has. So I think Luis Robles is is probably gone, and we've, we've said that in recent weeks. I think Luis Robles is probably gone. So that's 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 the one name that I think is. Uh, we could, we could, I'll, I'll, I'll be willing to say um, publicly. Okay, so uh, the last question from J.R. Reed, 11. Hey, gents, what lineup do you think Alonso uses against Nashville? I think Pellegrini should play on the right wing of it. If we beat Nashville, would Pizarro be available? I hope I'm not too late. So he made it. He made it in. He made the cut. Um, we touched on the lineup that we thought, at least, you know, who should replace Pizarro and who should play on the back line. So I think the rest of the team is pretty much straightforward. Uh, in terms of Will Trap, Blaze Matuidi, Lewis Morgan, and Gonzalo Higuain. So I, I think that's I think we answered that question. So I think we'll just jump into our final thoughts, Steve, so we can wrap up the show because I think we've gone pretty long. Steve, what are your final thoughts as we wrap up the show this week? Yeah, I mean, look, yeah, not getting carried away. The season hasn't been great. Seven wins out of 23 is not good. It's not good enough for sure. But they made it through. They battled through ridiculous weather conditions, and and they're in they're in the playoffs, and that's and that, that I think that's great for the team moving forward, and also for the, for the club, because um, I think if they would have failed to get into the playoffs, it would have been a real sort of bit of a downer, and then questions would have been asked. But I think here the, the narrative just stays pretty pos- sort of positive and on 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 message for them anyway. And then once we get into next season and the preseason before that, then we'll see what happens. My final thought is that there was a report this week. Um, they came out of Jamaica that said that Alvis Powell was called up to national team duty, but then was not allowed to go or was not going to go because another player on Inter-Miami tested positive for COVID. Inter-Miami has issued a no comment with regards to, to that report. Now, obviously, because of you know medical laws and, and, and confidentiality, Inter-Miami cannot say publicly if someone on the team has covid unless they get permission from that player that's not something that they've that they've chose chosen to do much of this year you know the, the, the christian mccoon case uh he ended up announcing it after mls is back and then obviously the team acknowledged it publicly then so i think that's why they're not saying publicly that you know they're, they're not by law not not allowed to unless the player decides to um there's been some speculation out there that it might be Breck Shea because of the situation that I mentioned earlier on the show, where he he was he was said to be ready to play against FC Cincinnati, and then he did not end up being in the 18 or in the in the match day roster. So there's speculation that it's him. So something to keep an eye on because it's gonna be something that that could affect the team going into into next week uh, ahead of the the playoff game against. Nashville SC. But that wraps up this week's show, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Steve and I go back and forth at it there about Pizarro and touch on the the game uh, over the weekend in that monsoon. If you were there, let us know how how the experience was because it must have been uh, a heck of a a heck of a a, a game to to be at. Not only because of the, the emotions that 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 happened, but as well as obviously just being there in that inclement 
weather. As a reminder, don't forget to follow us on our social media channels, especially on Instagram if you want to have a chance at that hashtag playoff pink top that we're giving away for free to one of you lucky listeners or one of you lucky followers. But that does it for this week. On behalf of Steve, I'm Franco Panizo. We'll see you guys again next week.